0: Hey Rich, how are
1: you? I'm really good. Shabri, how are you?
0: Yeah, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I can't quite believe how long it's been since I've I've seen you and spoken to you. But your uh, your book has a very proud place on my uh, on my desk, so oh, I'm wow. reminded of your name every day. Um, <laughs> so really good to have you here. Thank you for joining. Um, Rich, for those people who who don't know you, and I'm sure that's not many, um, but um, but I'd love to just get a brief introduction to to who you are and um, and and what you do.
1: Yeah, sure so uh yeah hi everyone um my name's Rich I'm the uh, the VP of sales for the EMEA region of Allego um Allego were uh, one of the leaders in the the revenue enablement software space so you know we help companies do everything from onboard and train reps roll out new messaging coach their their sellers and and help sellers essentially get access to the the content and the stories and the talk tracks that they need to be successful every single day um I, uh, yeah, I've been in sales for, oh, about 16 years now. Um, you know, one of these folks, like no doubt many people listen to this, who didn't ever intend to get into sales, fell into the the profession, um, started life as a, as an SDR, even though I tell people that the, the job title SDR sales development rep didn't really exist back then. Um, but I was essentially doing that role and, um, yeah, sort of predominantly my, my, my career has been in, 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 in tech sales. And, um, you know, I've got like very, uh, a lot of experience of really the way how I build businesses is through outbound and cold prospecting. I've never been one of these people who's benefited from working with a company with a huge brand that, you know, is fueled by inbound leads. So, uh, mm-hmm. that is kind of, um, one of the reasons why, uh, I, uh, authored a, a, a book, um, in the year of the pandemic, which is all about helping people um doing outbound prospecting. I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit. But uh but yeah, that's kind of I guess the um the the background of myself and my, my, my career so far. So
0: amazing. Um I, I like you started as an SDR as well, but it, it wasn't called an SDR back then. I mean they had all <laughs> kinds of different names. I was called an inside sales rep, but that's something different yeah. now. What were you called out of interest?
1: I was a business development executive, okay. um, which is still, you know, three words, right? <laughs> so it's just an exchange for sales development representative now, or, but yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, good. Well, look, I'm sure we're going to talk a lot about how that's evolved, but um, I wanted to start by touching on something you just mentioned that you co-authored a book in the pandemic Um, you're big on Outbound. Um, what was the story of, of writing the book? And I guess what was what was your driver to write the book?
1: Yeah, great, great question, Shabri. And um, I, I, think I was one of those people in sales who, when I started um, life as a business development executive, um, I, you know, the world was a very different place as far as access to information and content and learning. You know, I mean, this is before YouTube was really a thing. Um, LinkedIn was nothing more than a, a kind of a, a personal CV site for people, um, and. Uh, you know, if you wanted to seek out how to make a cool call, um, it was actually very hard to do. You probably had to, you know, hire someone that you knew that was an expert in that, and the, just the, the type of, um, skills and know how of how to do something like how to make a great cool call is just just wasn't very accessible for for people like myself. And I was largely kind of I self taught myself, and for the first few years of my career, I didn't really have a clue what I was doing. Quite honestly, I was just one of these people who'd pick the phone up and kind of like muddle my way through calls. And I'd, I had a, a level of success off the back of it. Um, and, and the, the world's obviously a very different place now. And, um, you know, access to, to learning and content and is, is much more readily available. That being said, um, in the, when the, when the pandemic hit, um, what we myself and two of my colleagues were very cognizant of at that time is that the world of sales suddenly got quite scary, especially for people who are quite new to the role. You know, maybe they, they some people might have just started their new job that month as say, like an SDR, and suddenly they're being told, no, you can't come to the office, you've got to work from home in your bedrooms, and you've still got to be successful without having people around you to help you out. And um, we figured that what we do is put on these um, kind of boot camps online to basically uh just share all the knowledge that we have about doing outbound to people who wanted to listen you know we did it as something that we just want to help people quite honestly and and um, we were pretty staggered by the number of people who actually came and showed up to that to that first boot camp we did um i think it was something like over a thousand people showed up it was pretty pretty amazing and um so much so that we continued these week after week and i think we did about 12 of these overall and it was literally us showing up talking about all the stuff that we'd learned about how to make cool calls how to handle objections how to write great emails how to build a brand socially all this kind of the, the toolkit that the modern day sdr or, or or salesperson needs and then it was um mark's idea um one of my co-authors who basically said I'll tell you what why don't we write a book we've got nothing better else to do on a weekend when we're locked inside and it seemed like a bit of a crazy idea at the time but you know, for those who actually have an interest in writing a book, it's never been easier to get a book published uh, through through Amazon. So I'd highly encourage people to take the step, because um, you might have a bit of imposter syndrome to do that. Um, we did it. It took more time than I was expecting to to, to write it, um, but it's one being one of the best things I've ever done. Shabri, um, you know, we've been blown away by how many copies we've sold. Quite frankly, have problem prospecting. Um, I actually looked it's, it's very rare a day has gone by since we released the book in December, 2020, where at least one copy hasn't been bought somewhere in the world is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, and the whole concept of problem prospect in this book is basically designed to be a little bit of a, uh, a, a handbook for the modern day prospector on using different channels and basically how to do these things, the stuff that I was never lucky enough to be taught when I started the role. Um, and uh you're a very kind of practical guide for people who are maybe first time to the world outbound or maybe have been doing the job for a while and are in a bit of a slump and looking for new ways or, or way um to do things. So that's that's the whole story a little bit of a long-winded story but uh that's that's kind of how we uh how it all came about.
0: I, I I love it and I'm not I'm not surprised at all um at the success of the book but um I I completely see that I think you know when a lot of people um look for information on how to techniques, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I think like you said, I think there's, there's the challenge of there's not really much out there, but then I think there's the other challenge of we're inundated with stuff that is like 90% not very good. Mm. Okay, and I think that's where you, you know your your experience really came in, where you're like, this actually works, and it's backed up by a story, um, and that's you know, and, and that's kind of part of the challenge with sales training, isn't it, that you kind of have people who have never really sold before or sold thirty years ago, um, advising you and coaching you what to do. So I think it's really good that you've taken your hands-on experience. Um, so you said you published the book in, in December 2020. Um, we're almost 3 years on now and i think sales has changed so much in the last few mm. years and um, probably more so than it ever has done in 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 that kind of period before um wh- what do you think has really changed the most since since publishing the book that you have in there and that you're um, a yeah. big big part
1: of it for you <clears throat> it's a great question because i think um the world has changed. Um, I don't think the approaches that we've written in the book are, um, I don't think I would change those approaches, so to speak. But what I would say is that the whole world of Outbound has definitely got harder. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know, I think if I look at the, I, I just find it fascinating how the world of business and the way that people buy is, very much just becoming very similar to how we buy as consumers and you know, how we operate as consumers in our personal lives. And I think, you know, if I, if I look at, you know, as, as humans, we probably are um, less willing to speak on the phone these days um, uh, in our personal lives. You know, we want everything to be, you know, ideally on a, on a message or something like digestible Um we if we want to make buying decisions um in our personal lives, if it means avoiding speaking to a salesperson, we'll probably take that path of 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 least resistance because hey, if we can if we can click two buttons on an Amazon app to have something delivered next day without having to walk into a shop or call some call somebody up and make an order of the phone, we will we will go to the Amazon app all day, every day. And it's because of this, because of the way that we operate in our personal lives, that's that's inherently just how bleeding into our our business lives, um, and I think because of that, the 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 job of you know people doing outbound a day is definitely getting harder. I think it's it's becoming less of a game of hey, just make fifty dials or send this many emails, and you'll get and you'll do well. I think you can still. Get by by doing by doing the activity, but I think the world it's getting, um, especially with the rise of like AI. And whilst I don't think AI is there to like take the jobs of SDRs just yet, there's enough there to be seen to think, it's not quite there right now. But in two years, it wouldn't surprise me if it's going to be there. And and so that means the bars got a lot higher, and we have to think about being a lot more strategic with how we engage with prospects. Um, do things that ai can't do and keep ahead of the step ahead of the game there and um, even start to engage with prospects more about in a way that how they prefer to be sold how they buy in their in their personal lives so we can maybe take a dive into some of those things i've just said there but I, I think in general um the tactics of how to do outbound? I think haven't really changed so much since we've wrote the book. But what has changed is I think I think outbound in general has got harder.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree with you. And we've had quite a few guests on this podcast who have talked about that. And you, one of the indicators of that is that SDRs aren't hitting target. Um, mm. I think there is um, a fear of the phone. Um, I used to love. I used to love cold calling. Uh, maybe like I was. Um, I, I was in the minority there, but I, I think there is this fear of the phone. Um, do you see that? And if so, what do you think is the cause of that of that fear?
1: Yeah, and and I speak as someone who, in the early part of my career, um, I was scared of picking up the phone. Quite quite frankly, um, but I think. As I said, especially with um, more of a millennial audience coming in and working in tech as their first, you know, typically is their first their first job as they're starting in, in the role of an STR. Not always, but that's typically what happens. And these are people who aren't used to speaking on the phone in their personal lives. You know, they are they are used to um, engaging in other means. Um, and so I think that's part of it, right? So just you just got people who you yeah, know, I, I live brought up in a world where the house phone would ring and I was forced to pick it up and yeah. talk to people who wanted to speak to my parents and have to, you know, take messages and things and that kind of stuff seems so basic right now. But actually that's just a world that a lot of people don't live. Like a lot of people don't have house phones these days, you know, they they don't, they don't need them. Um, But I think the other side of it is just the general, um, one of the main reasons that people have, Core reluctance is because it does go against all the kind of the the rules and instructions that our parents placed in us when we were growing up you know don't talk to strangers don't interrupt people our our vi- vision of um call callers was at home like your your dad hanging up on the the person selling double glazing on the phone and you, they were just seen as nuisances and so we yeah. you, you inherently feel like that's that's going to be you um so I think there's that um but I think above and beyond that Shabri, i just think people aren't trained on how to make cold calls and it's like anything if you don't if you aren't, if you don't have the know-how then you're unlikely to have the confidence right it's like anything in life if, mm-hmm. if if the more confidence the more the more knowledgeable knowledgeable you are at something the more confident you are in that topic um and uh and so if you can't if companies can't train and equip their sellers on how to be effective using these the, these methods, then they're never gonna get the confidence because they'll always be like I was, you know, 16 years ago. I didn't was never shown how to do it. And so I was never confident to pick up the phone because I didn't really know what I was doing. And I think that is something that a lot of companies just it's too easy to put the blame on, oh they're millennials, they you know they they they're not used yeah. to speaking on the phone. And actually that is part of it, but other part is that companies aren't training their people on how to do these things.
0: Yeah, gosh, I, I'd I'd always put the focus on the latter of, you know, companies aren't enabling and empowering their teams to do that. But I'd never thought about it in the former that you just mentioned of you know, we, we grew up picking up the house phone, right? I grew up having to call for a taxi. There was no Uber, you know, c- calling for the takeaway. There was no delivery. And now everyone can do everything at the touch at the touch of a button. So it's interesting to see both of those those factors um you, you know come into play. I, I think there is this over reliance on email that we've talked about. Um and uh. I remember probably during COVID actually there was a lot of um personalization at scale and automation and all of these kind of things that these tools were helping us to do and um, what what are you seeing in terms of moving away from like we talk about personalization and we talk about video and voice notes and cutting through the noise I guess yeah. what, what, what do you think is important there and what tips would you have um, for any SDRs that are listening to this that they can action today
1: <laughs> well it's really interesting right because take personalization right is a topic that has been talked about now not you know for, for years quite frankly like personalization yeah it's one of those things that I still see so little of it as a buyer on the receiving end of of of, of this and it, I scratch my head at it because it's not like this is a new thing it's it's for me it it, it feels like personalization from prospecting should just be a given now but actually in 2023 i can count on one hand the amount of um prospecting emails for example i've received that i would send to me that i would genuinely say well this feels like this person has gone to a, a a level of effort to personalize this email now if i'm saying that and i'm someone who if someone spent Two minutes on my LinkedIn profile page to see the kind of stuff I talk about. Um, then there's going to be a whole lot of an awful lot of people out there who get such little personalization from the approaches that people make. So my point is, is that this is that we we talk about this as if like it should just be a given, but actually I think in reality so little of it actually happens mm-hmm. still to this to this to this to this day. And it's funny because I um. I wrote a post on LinkedIn yesterday of like here's, you know, five or six opening lines of emails or LinkedIn messages that I will never ever open. Saw that. And, it, and it was like, you know, can we jump on a call or I, you know, um I can't remember the, what they were, but it was like it was the various lines of, of of messages. Um and I'm like this is this is still happening every day in my inbox. This is still happening and um The good news is, is that for the people out there who want to be different, then just do, just be different of ninety nine percent of other people sending this stuff every single day. You will break through the noise, Um, and I think that's just something for people listening to this to really, you know, heed those words. Is that the significant majority of stuff landing in your prospects inbox still this day is nowhere near personalized is. Probably not even relevant. So there is still hope when you th- if you if you go into your day every morning at nine o'clock or whenever whatever time you start work, thinking that, man, like I am going to be the the one person that actually stands out in my prospects inbox today, and it's not going to take a lot of effort. Like you, you know, it's it's something to give you a bit of confidence.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right, and I do often wonder: is it is it an attitude thing? Uh, is it companies putting focus on the wrong metrics? Is it a training thing? Um, What what do you, what do you think it's down to?
1: (laughs) I'd love to know the answer because (laughs) I, I, I maybe I live in a bit of a, um, a vacuum because, you know, I see the people engaging with my posts and, you know, young people in the world of sales who, you know, clearly look like they're embracing it, learning from it. You know, um and you know maybe 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 I live in a vacuum of the people who approach me just are on those people. Um, I I think if I had to like make a prediction of what I think it is, I, I think it's still this this world that hey automation and blasting stuff out is the is the shortcut to 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 results, and maybe that comes down from pressure that they're facing internally. Um. Maybe they've tried to do a bit of personalization, you know, didn't really work for them. They gave it a try, and so they've just gone back to, oh well, let's just load people into a sequence, hit the go button, and hope for the best. Yeah. Um, I I can't sit here and say confidently what I see is the problem. I I see what my team do, and I know that my team, you know, do the right things, and we get, you know, we get we get decent results from it. Um, but I'd love to hear your thoughts, Shabri, on what you, what you, why you think this is still happening in 2023.
0: I think, I think, I think it's a blend of things. Um, I think there is an, sometimes a naivety from leadership on how difficult prospecting actually is, and so yeah. I don't see a lot of companies giving their teams the right tools. To, um, to be successful. So I'll give you an example. Um, I know a lot of companies who bought their teams outreach or sales loft and said, here, you've got one of the best tools to go and prospect. Outreach and sales loft is a tool, but you need to have the skills behind it. So you need to have the skills of what does an effective video look like? How to yeah. write an effective email? What is a good subject line? What is a good call to action um, you know, to do a, a call? You know what is what is the opener? What are the questions I should be asking? There's a ton of training and mm. skill building that needs to go into that. You can't just fix a problem with a tool. So I, I think that's one thing. Um, I think there's the naivety, and then I think the other thing is I think that we're still measuring. And you talked a little bit about it at the start. I think we're still measuring. Activity as this like north star metric of number of calls, number of emails, and, and things like that. And I think um, I saw a post yesterday from Rory at Trumpet talking about you know how many reps are um, a, a hitting target, and actually you know some of the scary things about um, it was you know twenty five percent increase in stakeholders. Um, you know we've got fifteen mm-hmm. percent drop in win rates. And you actually look at all of those, and you're like, uh, okay, I, I, we need to be um, changing the way we think about metrics. Revenue is a is a lagging indicator, <laughs> but yeah. what are the right leading indicators to have in place? And I, and I think things like how many stakeholders are you multi-threaded? How many people are you speaking to in the account? I think there's a bigger shift that needs to happen um, in terms of out activity and output um, but I think you know people like you are, are making the right moves in terms of helping people who aren't getting coaching and training for their for their companies Um, but I'm not sure I'm not sure it's enough
1: I, I think what you said there is you know it's really really key um, about companies still and, and looking at the wrong metrics and the, and the, the truth the, the truth of that is because that's the it's so easy to look at those metrics as a sales leader, it takes you 10 seconds to load up an activity dashboard and to see how many calls someone's made, how many emails. And you know, that it's, it's like laziness and leadership by just making decisions based on that is Mm -hmm. no worse than, you know, um, or is, is no worse than the people doing just mass blasts and emails, sending out 60 emails and hoping for the best. Um, and, I think companies need to really rethink about, as you say, what should those, what should those metrics be? What should the right behaviours be getting demonstrated every single day? Yeah. Um, and that's not me saying that activity isn't important. Like it's activity is still key. Um, but you know, SDRs in today's complex buying world, and you 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 said this brilliantly, is like they're dealing with new challenges where they're having to speak with multiple stakeholders in the business. They're people are maybe more reluctant to meet and so the timing has to be right and so they have to figure out ways of how can i nurture and stay top of mind with prospects so when the timing's right i'm i'm i'm, I'm there and uh you know they are more and more operating like 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 a marketing function of like they are you know they, they are there to help keep prospects warm and um get the message and the brand out to different people in a business, even if the timing, even if they're not ready to meet with you. Yes. And so we may, you know, maybe we need to reward SDRs more in like, you know, how many active, meaningful conversations they've got or, you know, how if they get a referral, you know, something like that. Um, mm-hmm. Because otherwise I think it's going to be far too easy for sales leadership to continue just taking the, the easy shortcut of, Well, I'm just going to look at my dashboard, my activity dashboard and, you know, tell you if you're doing a good job or not.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And And I, but I think it's about measuring those right things and, um, and then I think if if things aren't working as a leader, what are you doing to to raise the bar, right? So is wow. it in training and development? Um, you know, is it is it getting different tools, you know, is it more coaching and, and all of those different things? But um, yeah, it sounds like you and I are on, the, are on the same page about a lot of the the root causes there. Um I, I wanted to shift slightly to um, what you think makes up a good sdr now and um, you you have a lot of exposure to them you run a lot of boot camps and um, th- there's there's so much more that's involved yeah. when you and i started the role um and I don't know brand building and things like that are really really key here but, but what is it you think really makes up a, a top a top sdr
1: yeah and um you know there's things like um things that I think will never go away by you know having that um determination and that um that mindset to do a a really tough job and what many consumers are quite a repetitive job and being able to like you know start every day by going at it again and for some people they just it's they they don't have that and so I think that that'll never ever that'll never ever go away the necessity for that, but I do think. I do think, you know, the, the, the new SDR, how they can be successful is is by becoming a lot more strategic. It isn't so much about, hey, I'm gonna come in, I'm gonna make this many calls, and I'm gonna send out this many emails and you know, it's it's and feel like I've done a good job at the end of it. You know, I think um it's being able to um you know, being able to um, smartly curate different like types of prospects and Splitting them those out by personas and being able to craft messaging for each one of those personas, especially if you're selling into uh, you know multi product business into a, uh, into an organization, um, being able to like keep tabs on what's going on in the industry, you know, being able to have your finger on the pulse of job changes of um events happening with target accounts uh, in the media and being able to respond to that, um. Being able to look beyond just what you see on LinkedIn, but go deep into companies' websites and press releases and learn about the strategy of the business, like what's what's going on from the um, the top down. Um, being able to build that audience on 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 social, and you know, it's that's not for everybody. Like like it's uh, if your audience doesn't exist on LinkedIn, then you might not want to invest so much time uh, in it. But there are benefits to building a brand linkedin outside of just booking meetings with people like it your brand does stay with you for your career from a personal perspective um but i'm even saying like some of the 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 really smart sdls like in fact you know some of the people that work on my team i'm saying that, that they do they're getting involved in communities they're attending like industry webinars they're seeing who's attending those things what kind of questions they're asking they're then like you know going to those individuals afterwards and saying hey i noticed you were on this webinar and you're asking these questions and that's really interesting that you're asking those questions um and and it's being able to find the places that your prospects are hanging out in and and being part of, being being part of that um and I, I i just think part of it as well is an just a, a hunger and a de- and desire to constantly refine what you're doing like refining Messaging, call scripts, being able to, um, you know, really uh, hound people who are doing really well in the business and understand what are they doing that's leading to success, um, setting up conversations with, um, people in the business, even those that don't work in the sales development team, yeah. could be people in marketing or in product to understand, to unlock what's in their head, um. It's this is this is kind of the things that I'm seeing that, you know, the the SDRs again, this is about how do you how are you staying ahead of the ahead of the curve. I think these are things that I'm seeing people do that it, is helping it that that it's more than just this game of here, here's my list of prospects today, got you know, fifty people on this list, I'm gonna call them, I'm gonna email them and that'll be the end of my day.
0: Yeah, oh my god, so much that you said there that I think is is so spot on. Um and I and I think a lot of that is is innate right i don't think you know you're telling your team to go and do that i think they're doing it because of that passion for development and because of that hunger to learn right um and i think that's not something you can teach in them so how would you what do you look for when you hire then how do you how are you kind of assessing that
1: yeah um so for a lot of people coming into that that role again it's for a lot of them they haven't they've never done the role before or they may have done the role at a previous company for a short space of time. Um, So it's for a lot of people, they don't, they they don't have the the track record of doing those things before. So, but what I think, like when I see the people do it, that they, as you said, they're doing it off their own back. They're, they're kind of street, they've got that kind of, they're street wise and it comes down to intelligence and creativity. And, and it's like, I just learned in sales is that people who are really, really smart and really, really intelligent and switched on just have that ability to try new things and uh, experiment and um, and and I just think that's such a key a key trait that I look for is people who hey they they just seem like a super switched on person that they don't need their kind of hand holding. Um, they don't. They don't need to be told. Hey, do these things. They they just have a knack of in their head thinking. Hey, I'm gonna. I've just seen a webinar being advertised by this company. I think people I sell to might well be going to that webinar. I'm gonna sign up for that and I'm gonna see what who's on there, what people are talking about. Like that. Just I'm not telling. If I'm not telling people to do that, they're just think in their head. They're making the connection of like, hmm. This is a this is a way for me to generate conversations. Um and then the other side of it is if is is that coachability
0: yeah
1: is 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 that like okay the stuff that i can teach this person like will they absorb it and will they put it into practice um and that's the other thing that i think is it's really high up the list is hey i i can i can teach you how to do some of these core skills um but there's me teaching you it and you actually implementing it and if that's key. You have to have the uh, the coach ability to to actually take what I teach you and to to actually put it into practice.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, I don't I think that's not something you can coach. I think that's something that's that's innate as well. Um yeah. so good, good 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 to get your thoughts on that. Um and then lastly, Richard, I guess flipping to we talked a lot about the rep side of it, flipping to the buyer side of of things um and the current state of sales. Um we've obviously seen seen a lot evolve there. Um we've seen the introduction and growth of digital sales rooms. Um, you know, we've seen a lot evolve around um the buyer's journey. Um, yeah. What,
1: what
0: what are you seeing and what do you think is needed and what do you what do you anticipate will continue to grow, I guess?
1: I think this loops back to what I was saying earlier on, Shabri, of like, you know how people are buying in their personal lives is mm-hmm. it's just bleeding into how people are looking to buy in their business lives. And uh I think there was some kind of statistic that um Gartner shared recent recently, which was something like nearly 50% of buyers um would rather not interact with a salesperson at all in the world of B2B sales. It's yeah, it's wow. depressing statistic for people like myself in the industry. Um, but it's the it's the reality, right? Is like, um, and I can see for myself. Like, I'd be, i you know, I'd be lying if you said, "Hey, Rich, you can either go on Amazon and do your own research and buy this thing in three clicks, or you have to, you know, walk into town into a store, speak with a salesperson, you know, <sighs> like it's just an easy decision for me." And like, so I, I can see how this is transferring into how people want to buy in the world of in the world of of, of, of b2b sales and even complex and um, b2b sales so um but it's that thing of like okay you can either like you can either battle against that or you can just accept it that's the way humans are changing and adapt to meet the buyer where they are yeah. and um and and that's why I think you know the the rise of digital sales rooms is a great example, a great a great tool that sellers can use to meet the buyer where they are to actually um, enhance how buyers perceive them as salespeople because they can actually make the buy-in journey a lot more convenient for the buyer, not always have to be, you know, on a call with a salesperson to answer to ask questions. Yeah. Um, And so, you know, these digital sales rooms are a great way of a salesperson to create a very personalised mini sort of website for their buyers, where they can add in videos, personalised videos. They can add in content. They can add in, um, you know, proposals, documentation, stuff that the buyer typically wants to consume in the buying process. The buyer can just come in and out of that sales room at their own pace. They can get answers in there. They can even do like instant messaging with the salesperson at their own at their own convenience. Um and uh and and I, I just think that, that that's where the market is going. The things like digital sales rooms will become more prevalent in the next sort of two to three years. Um and uh yeah, I, I think we just have to accept that that's that's buyers' preferences are changing and um as a result of that we have to uh, make sure that we're doing our best to meet them where they are and um, even if that means that you get the chance to you don't get to speak with them as much as you as you want as a seller um, because actually you've got to understand what they want as a buyer.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I um, I think it's that agility that you have to have as a rep though. Um, I, I was working with a company. I remember, and uh, the guy said to me, "I just like I don't want to be on Zoom. I just I, I like just always call my mobile." And we were kind of in that whole thing of you should be on video, you should be using yeah. it. Can actually, if he doesn't want to speak on Zoom, I will call his mobile. And I think it's actually having that agility and that, to an extent, that emotional intelligence to read the other person and understand yeah. what what they want as well. Um, there's so much here, Richard. I I could talk to you for hours, but um I, I I wanted to end on one question. Um, you're obviously on the receiving end of so much outreach. Um you've got a good idea of what stands out, what doesn't. Um what's been the best piece of outreach that you have that you've ever received?
1: Um so I'm not sure I could sit here and think the best i've ever received however what i can definitely do is talk about a recent story of where i i was on the receiving end of of, of some good outreach because it does not very, it does not very often so when it when it happens it um it really stands out and uh yeah i was um i actually received a, a cold call call it's probably about a month ago now um and like maybe the person calling me a read the book and that's why it resonated so much. I don't know. Um but what they what the person did so well is first of all tried to call me, right? Doesn't that very often. <laughs> um and secondly they had clearly they they clearly demonstrated an, an understanding of what types of problems someone like me in my role is likely facing right now. And what I mean by that is um that messaging and that the 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 problems that person spoke about might not have been so relevant 12 to 18 months ago when the economy was in a better place and selling was easier so they they just demonstrate a really good understanding of understanding what is top of mind for my buyers my prospects right now in today's economy in today's you know in today's world mm-hmm. um and uh, you know they they, act, they 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 booked a meeting with me, um, and I think that there's a lesson there, is that, um, being good at cold calling isn't just about you know how you open the call and all the rest of it. It is about understanding your buyers, and um, I think every seller, once a month, once once every two months, at the very least, once a quarter, should be sitting down. You know, ideally as a team, but if not by yourself, if if you don't have the, the the benefit of a team, and starting to understand what problems do my prospects care about today in today's world, and how can I adapt my messaging to 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 resonate with those problems? Because the worst thing you can be doing is saying the same thing you were saying twelve months ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a yeah, it's a valuable exercise, and that was definitely what the. The SDI was called Callum. I'll give him a shout. It was called Callum, was his name, and um, did when he when he called me very recently.
0: Amazing! It's it, it's it's so nice to hear that because it wasn't an overly complicated thing that he did, but he it, yeah, um, he still managed to stand out. So I think that's a lesson to to everyone, at least to 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 use the phone. Um, but Richard, thank you so much. It's been such an insightful conversation. Um, and if if people want to reach out to you or connect with you, what's the best way for them to to do so?
1: yeah yeah just um look me up on linkedin um and uh i'll be happy to connect with anybody who uh yeah who said they listen to this podcast so
0: yeah okay well there you go there's your uh, there's your personalization but thank you richard great to have you and and great to great to see you again